everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Untafali podcast, the only podcast that moisturizes daily. I am your host, Alejandro. I unfortunately am not joined with my co-host, Ivan. I know, I know. So I'm out of town this weekend. So I decided to record something early. This one's going to be, this episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, it's just me. Um, and it's going to be kind of a shorter episode, a little, a little brief exhortation. And as you could tell by the title, this episode is a love letter to the brokenhearted. Um, and so maybe you're, you're kind of wondering like, oh, what does this have to do? Why is it so sad or anything? The point of this being to just provide a little bit of encouragement um, and just, I don't know, to rally, to rally the troops. Like in, in, in trying to live out this philosophy of, of being a fool for Christ, I have recognized that um, as I try to be a fool for Christ, I am going to make a fool out of myself, right? It's in the name. And as well as there are going to be times where the world will reject me. There are going to be times where the world deems me as stupid or foolish, and there has already been a lot of that. Um, and so to kind of jump into a little bit of a fun story here, uh, to kind of to show an example of that um, is, so I work in campus ministry here in Las Vegas, and I'm the campus minister. Um, and so the issue is with campus ministry is is really difficult in many ways because it's just I found that it in some ways it's kind of harder than youth ministry it has its own problems and stuff and so I have a really hard time getting volunteers for stuff and that's just kind of the nature of a commuter campus and there really isn't like a booming campus life and all that stuff but anyways that's besides the point I was tabling right for an affair for not an affair affair um not too long ago and if you know me you've probably heard this story already but uh bear with me um so I was tabling for this fair uh, and essentially where all these other organizations come out and they just advertise their stuff, all the sororities, all the frats, all everything, um, key club, I don't even know, all these other like places just come out, clubs come out and just advertise and they table and they play music and all this stuff and it's pretty fun. Um, and so I was tabling and, and it was just me for the majority of the day. Uh, and so I come early and I'm, I set up my table and I'm like, this is a pretty good spot it's on a nice walkway. You know, the grass is here and it's, it's nice. We're going to get a lot of traffic. Um, and then a couple of minutes pass and I got there pretty early, a couple of minutes pass and I start to see, uh, just the sororities coming in, the frats coming in and, and, you know, God bless them, God bless them. But, um, immediately I found myself just drowning in a sea of just, you know, tens, 20 people from each booth, uh, just flooding the walkway. And I, and I couldn't help but think, right. And despair that I was like, man, how, like, how are people going to find my table? You know, it's like, God, you know, before I went tabling, I just really prayed. I was like, God, like really bring the right people to this table and just help me just speak to them and pray with them and ask them what they need. Right. So just have genuine encounters uh, with these people. And I just felt so discouraged. Um, that, and I don't know if it's all sororities or some sororities, but, uh, I also don't mind the, the background noise. I have a lot of family in town, but I don't know if it's all sororities, some sororities, but they just just were not budging. Like I try to talk to them, I try to you know, try to you know get to know them a little bit and just have genuine conversation. They just were not having it, and just because of this being lost in a sea of all these sorority girls, I I just was so insecure. I was, I was so discouraged, and I was like, man, nobody's gonna find my table. Um, there are people who need Jesus today, and they're not they're not gonna get to know right, um, and. Luckily, like, and that's, and that's been a, a struggle in, as I tried to follow Jesus unto folly, right? Even unto folly. And I got so many looks and so many stares and eye rolling and people obviously avoided me because they knew what I was tabling for. Um, 
And I just remember just turning around and seeing that the sun had come out and was only shining on my table. Um, not on the sororities or the fraternities, but just on my table, the sun was shining. And I just really felt the Lord just give me reassurance and just speak to me uh, and just tell me that I'm favorable, right? That like in the eyes of the world, right, I am deemed as a fool. I am deemed as unwise. I am deemed as illogical sometimes, not all the time. Um, in the eyes of the world, uh, what I'm doing is it looks stupid and crazy. But in the eyes of my father, I, I am favorable. I just gave me so much encouragement. And I just felt the Lord just bring this to my heart, this idea to, to give hope for those who feel discouraged, those who are trying to live out their lives according to the gospel in a radical way. Um, and immediately what I thought of was when Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Now this happens at uh, the 20th chapter of John. Uh, it's John chapter 20, and it starts at verse 11. So I'm going to read it for you guys. So, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Saying this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So, uh, first things first, I don't know if I said ra Rabboni, Rabbani, Rabbani. I don't know. I probably should have done my research and present pronunciation. But, you know, that's our philosophy. We're going to make a fool of ourselves and that's okay. Um, but I am just so struck by this story every single time I read it. And I just felt the Lord just bringing this to the surface and just putting this on my heart. Um, and so obviously there's like that table thing, but there's just been other things in my life that are just great cause of discouragement. Um, whenever, you know, we feel heartbroken when we hope in things and they don't happen, when we feel overlooked by the world, when um, things just don't exactly work out. And so um, this episode is just dedicated to those who feel like that now or maybe someday in the future will feel like that because that um, in many ways is a natural part. We talked about in the previous episode that falling is a normal part of our journey, right? And so we, we need that encouragement for the times that we are down. Um, and I hope this episode can provide that at least a little bit of consolation, a little bit of hope for you. Um, but again, back to the story. I in imagining this story, I pray a lot with my imagination and using like Ignatian, um, like contemplation and meditation. And so as I imagine myself in this story, I, what I think of is her journey to the tomb, right? Because she's going early in the morning to the tomb. Why? To anoint the body of Jesus. Um, and in other, in other accounts of the Gospels, it's, it's said and explained that that's why she's going. And so I just can imagine just, I put, I put myself in, in her place of like, going to see the dead body of my Lord to anoint him. Uh, what, 
what heartbrokenness she must have felt, right? Um, what, what sadness, what, just what hopelessness of like this, this was the man that had redeemed her. This was the man that had given her hope that things can change, right? She was lost in sin, exposed in front of everybody. And Jesus came and saved her and brought about a new way of life brought about a hope that she has never had in her life. And so Jesus, and also she was there when Jesus was crucified. And I could just imagine these feelings of, of and in many ways, like I felt like I walked with her on this journey to the tomb um, of it just being cold outside and just, you know, just feeling lonely of like, man, this is the, the only thing that I had. And Jesus, where are you? And here we have, and in many of the accounts, you, we see that they, they see angels, there was an earthquake. Um, but here in this account, She's at the tomb and she's weeping by herself. And so maybe this is after the earthquake and where the angels tell her and the other Mary to go out and, and, and tell the disciples, right? And in my head, like maybe that, that kind of makes sense. But like she gets told that and easily just loses hope of like, how is this possible? Somebody's taken Jesus. Somebody's taken my Lord. And so she's there weeping. And I just imagine her weeping there um, like on a rock and the angel just comes to her and just asks like, why are you weeping? And her just being so honest of like, they've taken, I don't know where they've taken my Lord, right? I, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know where to go. Um, and maybe we find ourselves here. Maybe we find ourselves there now. And I know I've found myself there in many, many times uh, of just hopeless, right? That you have nothing. Uh, and, and, and here comes Jesus and Jesus appears to her and if in his glorified state. And this is important to note that Jesus in his glorified state is revealed to, to Mary first, right? And what that means. And so first when she sees him, she doesn't recognize him, of course. And when, when is it that she recognizes him? When he says, he calls her by her name and says, Mary. And that's when she turns around and recognizes this, this is him. This is my Lord, the lover of my soul, the one who I saw died and crucified. And immediately you can imagine the healing, but also the sadness. And this is, this is the truth of, of being heartbroken. Uh, and I just felt so called to share um, just this consolation that I received uh, just in, in my own sadness. And I'd, my entire life, I think, uh, and just kind of my journey and part of my testimony is in many ways, in many parts of my life, I felt so lonely. I felt like I didn't have anybody. I felt like I needed to be self-reliant, that nobody cared about me, and so I'm not going to care about anybody. And Jesus just came into that wound in my adult life and just absolutely destroyed my heart and showed me a new way and showed me that if I'm called to live a devout and radical life, I need to let people in. I need to open myself to be hurt. And because of that, sometimes I'm going to have these moments where I'm lost, where I have a hard time finding where Jesus is. And every time that I've had those moments, Jesus has been there. And all I needed to do was just turn around and he calls me by my name and he reassures me and he holds me up. And I just I very much felt um, in... Uh, in, in a time of worship, when I was, I was, I was worshiping, uh, praying praise and worship earlier this week, I just felt the Lord speak to my heart um, in just an undeniable way. That's like, for every, for every heartbreak you experience, I will shower upon you a million kisses. And that this is the nature of Jesus. That as soon as we need him, we realize he is already there consoling us, kissing our wounds 
speaking his truth, speaking the truth of the gospel, that he is there and he is taking care of us. Right? And and this is so beautiful. And we see this happen in, in this scripture specifically. And then we keep going in the scripture, right? Jesus says, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And on first read, I think this, to me, sounds like, whoa, what the heck, Jesus? Like You're kind of a jerk. Like, she's like embracing you, and she hasn't seen you, and she saw you die. And so you can understand why her heart is just overflowing with love and just mourning and weeping. And, and Jesus says, do not hold me, for I have not ascended yet. And so upon praying with this, you recognize, and just diving into what this actually means, he's not saying, like, leave me alone, or I can't console you right now. What he's saying is that something more is to come. That when I ascend, it'd be better for you. And we talked about this, the the passage from John, right? I think it was in chapter 16 in the earlier episode that it is better for you that I ascend so that the consoler may descend upon you. I'm paraphrasing. And this is exactly what he's getting at. That in ascending, he gives us this true freedom. He's united back. He goes back to the Father and lifts us up with him. And not only that, But it's because of this that the Holy Spirit can now descend upon us. And so looking through this this quote, um, what Jesus says through that paradigm of receiving the Holy Spirit, it becomes so much more meaningful, I think. And he says, do not hold on to me because I'm going to ascend to my Father and there's so much more yet to come. And I know it is good for you to have me with you here physically, but there will be a point soon that you will have me so close to you, that you will have me in your heart, that nobody, that nobody will be able to separate you from me ever. And that is the truth of what a living relationship with Jesus is. That is the truth of where, where do we find our hope? Is the reality that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and that Jesus has set apart a place in our hearts where he resides and makes himself available at every single moment to console us, to give us our daily bread, to continue on this journey. That the, in, the world, in the eyes of the world, we may look like fools and may feel stupid, but Jesus is there, the divine prisoner, in that section, that special place in our hearts that he has created, waiting for us. And so if you find yourself discouraged, downtrodden, without hope, if you find yourself in the dark, rest assured that he is there. He is there in the silence of our hearts, waiting for us to turn around, and he calls us by our name. And I think in many ways we know this. We and I think that's why so many of us try so hard to fill that silence with something. Whether it's podcasts, music, YouTube videos, Netflix, Disney Plus, anything we try to just fill that silence because we hear, we hear that knocking. We hear Jesus knocking. And we hear him saying, come to me. And so let this be a message of hope for you if you find yourself there. Because the truth is, is that God is good. And this is the truth of the gospel that Jesus gives new life. That Jesus, upon him dying and rising and ascending, has granted us, given us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit, to give us the courage, to give us the support, to give us the encouragement that we need when we find ourselves here. 
And I know that this has made all the difference in my life when I have found myself at the end of myself. And God has come into my life and granted me my daily bread to continue on this journey. Because that's the nature of discipleship. There, is, there will be a lot of pain. There will be a lot of suffering. Um, but the reason there is hope underneath that is because Jesus has already suffered. That Jesus has already championed us the victory. All we need to do is just follow in his footsteps and just remain in him and remain close to his sacred heart. And so, again, I hope this is a little bit of consolation to you. We hope, um, we hope, I don't know, that if, if, if this was impactful and you know somebody that this might be impactful for, then you just share it with them. And again, we're praying for you. We hope that you eat your fiber. And we hope that you act the fool.